Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor Tyson Harold. Well, as Wes mentioned, today will be a little bit different, and I would encourage you to fight the urge. If you heard day of prayer and thought, we got to leave as soon as they start praying, I would encourage you to fight that urge. Uh, I think it'll be helpful to you. And I, I think that what we're going to talk about is beneficial for all of us. And so if, we'll talk about how to deal with prayer in just a moment. But just wanted to throw that out there because I know as a kid when they started praying, I would usually be the first to hide under the pew and start going somewhere else. Or in college when I had a chance to be a part of a day of prayer, I was ready to leave and a senior came up to me and said, let me like, just come with me and hang out with me. We're going to pray together. And so I just ask you to press in for the next 25, 30 minutes or so. And I think God will do something incredible in your own heart and life if you'll just allow him to. But today we're going to talk a little bit more about prayer. One of the stories that captured my attention over this past summer was the story of a group of a soccer team out of Thailand that got stuck in a cave. And you may have seen this. It was on the news for like 30 days. But what was incredible about that story was they, they got trapped in the cave when the floodwaters rose because it was monsoon season. And the soccer coach led them into that cave, and they got so far, and then they were trapped by the water, so they had to go even further into the cave. But what made that entire ordeal unbelievable is, is how many people were involved to try and get these guys out. If you look to the left of the screen, that's where the boys were found. To the right of the screen is where they entered in. They found their bikes. That's the only way they knew there was even kids in there in the first place. But it took more than 9,000 people representing 10 languages, 21 countries, and nine days spent extracting those boys out of the cave. It was a monumental task. Elon Musk, the billionaire entrepreneur, developed a short little submarine, flew it on his private jet, and took it down there to try and get the kids out. The United States sent the Navy SEALs in. The United Kingdom and Australia sent some of their best divers that they had, and they all worked with one single goal. Get those boys out, all alive, all okay. You see, I would argue what, what made that entire ordeal so incredible was that for uh, literally a couple weeks there, the world's attention was on that one goal. Get the boys out, make sure they're alive. Tragically, one rescuer was lost in the process, but over 9,000 people were spent, spent their time volunteering to help get those boys out. The thing that's interesting about this is there was always a way out. There was always a conduit there for them to escape. Now, they had lack of oxygen and water and tight spaces, but there was always a way. But when everyone came together, they started throwing down all kinds of other ideas to get the boys out. In the, in the, in the setup of church, specifically the body of Christ, not just this building, there's this idea that, that unity is the conduit that allows God's spirit to move most freely. You see, there was a conduit allowing them to get those boys out, but they had to use special ropes, and they had to use stretchers with oxygen tanks, and there was a way to get them out, but it was not an easy way. It took a long time to pull those boys out, nine days total spent extracting the boys out once they decided what was the best way to go forward. But in the body of Christ, unity is what allows God's Spirit to move most freely. And we see this all the time. We see it in the scriptures. We see it in amongst even other, uh, people outside the scriptures that when we're all unified around one thing, it just goes better. And unity is that conduit that allows God's grace to move most freely. Today we're going to be in John chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, flip over there. We'll spend a few moments in John chapter 17. 
I find it interesting that Jesus could have prayed for anything, right? This is the week before he goes to the cross. He just spent time praying for the disciples, and he could have prayed for world peace. He could have prayed for a cure for cancer. He could have prayed for poverty elimination. He could have prayed that there would be no plastic straws in the future. But he didn't pray for any of that. He prayed for one thing. One thing Jesus prayed for, and that was that we would be unified. Now, it's easy to come to church and be unified, right? You sit there, and if you play your cards right, you could sit in that chair and not talk to a single soul, walk right out the back, get back in your car, and life would be okay. So it's easy to be unified on Sunday. It's easy to do it when we all just kind of say, okay, but see, when we have the same goal, hopefully being like Jesus, that unity allows God's spirit to move amongst us in a really, really special way. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. But Jesus could have prayed for anything, and he started with unity. It starts in John chapter 17. He just finished praying with the disciples. And in verse 20, where we're going to pick up in just a moment, this is his prayer. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. So he wasn't just praying for the disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I want you to look to the person next to you and tell them that unity starts with me. Right, right now, tell them right now, unity starts with me. Unity starts with me. You see, every time I have a disagreement in my house, I'm pretty easily able to find what the flaws are in my wife's thinking. Anybody ever good at this? Right? I'm pretty good at this. But what I've come to realize is that unity, and this works whether in church or in your home or in your business, whatever, this works. When we all take personal responsibility, that each one of us is responsible for us to be unified. You see, Jesus lays this out in verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, verse 21, that they may be one, Father, just as you and I are one. There is no struggle for Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit. They don't get mad when one gets to go to earth and the other doesn't. They don't get mad when, it's just, they get together, and they are fine, and they are completely unified. So the problem's not Jesus, and it's not God, and it's not the Holy Spirit. And so the problem is probably you and me. I, actually, I would say the greatest obstacle to our unity as a church, to our unity as a, a family, our unity as a, as a town, or whatever your emphasis might be, specifically we're talking about the church here today, the greatest obstacle to unity is us. In the cave, the greatest obstacle to unity was water that was coming in at a rapid rate, tight spaces, and lack of oxygen. But each one of us has to decide if we're going to be a part of the obstacle or we're going to be a part of the solution. And so if you start to think through the next time something happens, and, and I, I love this about preaching, I, I, I love it and I hate it. When you preach about something, God gives you the opportunity to kind of experience that in your week. And it just without fail seems to happen. And something happened earlier in this week, and I was like, these people can't figure out anything. What is their problem? And then it dawned on me, what am I doing? If unity really starts with me, right? Because we, we, in the church, we don't have a problem with God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Spirit. They're, they're completely unified. The problem gets when we get involved. And so if it starts with me, what do I need to do? And so I literally was asking myself all week long, like, is there anything I could do? And I wasn't really even involved in the situation, but I could have prayed for it. I could have looked to talk to somebody involved and help them or encourage them. And so if unity starts with me, we have to decide what we're going to do. Paul said it best in Romans 12, 18. He experienced this, obviously. In Romans 12, 18, it says, it's, 
uh, as far as it's possible, if it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Right? And so there's a personal responsibility for each one of us that, that unity is something that we all want, right? It's always better when we're unified. Every single person, the 9,000 volunteers that took to get the boys out of the cave were unified around one thing, get the, get the boys out. I'll explain further in a moment, but there was tons of ideas that came out. There was tons of people who were like, I got a better idea than, the, than this, these people do. But the goal was always get the boys out. The goal for you and for me should be that we would become more like Jesus Christ. And if we do that, we'll be more unified. So unity starts with me. The second thing that happened is unity makes our evangelism more effective. Take a look at verse 22, or the 21, sorry. It says, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There is something special when we get this right. The reason that story captivated the world, in my opinion, was not so much that there was a boys' soccer team there. I think the world would have been captivated regardless of who was involved because of what people were willing to do to make sure that those people were safe. I think it was the idea of unity that drew us all into that. Now, I was leading a team at the time, and when you're leading a team and you hear of a team struggling, I saw it on the newspaper in Jamaica and just thought, I'm going to pray for those people and hope that doesn't happen to me. But as I watched the documentary on it later, it was amazing to find out that these people were willing just to do anything there was even ladies in the villages that were like, we'll, we'll just make food for all the volunteers. I mean, there were so many people involved in this. So it turns out the greatest obstacle to unity is us, but unity makes our evangelism more effective because it allows the world to see, ultimately, God. When we lay our own wants and desires down, people don't see us. They see how in the world could that happen. And you and I both know that it's not because of our great willingness or ability is because of what unites us, and that is Jesus. And so we all ought to be able to agree on that. If you can't agree on that, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But for now, let's say that we all agree that Jesus is the most important thing. That means that no matter what season of life you're in, what stage of, of, of life you're in at all, that we all can agree on that. And so it automatically makes our evangelism more effective. If you go on down to verse 22, it says, I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be as we are, one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Not partial unity, not unity on Sundays, not unity on the way to church, or unity on the way home from church, which is probably the most ununified or disunified time if you have kids, right? Like everybody act like you like each other, we're going to church, right? So it's complete unity. Complete unity is what Jesus says is possible. And I find this so fascinating because this is the only thing Jesus prayed for going up to the, or to the crucifixion. He prayed for other things, but in regards to what affects us, this is what he prayed for. I also find it fascinating that this is not fulfilled yet. His prayer is not completely answered yet. And we get to be a part of, of being a part of that. But it says in verse 22 that I have given them glory. And theologians wrestle with what does he mean by he gave us glory. I would land with some that say that the glory he gave us is that he literally gave us the unity of the Father and the Son that we could be a part of that. He gave us God's power and God's spirit inside us so that we could be in complete unity. And so if unity is the conduit that allows God's spirit to move most freely, I think that's what we should pray for. 
I think that's what you should pursue in your family. I think that's what you should pursue in your work. I think that's what you should pursue in every area of your life. Because when people are unified around one really important thing, incredible things happen. Incredible things happen. And I believe that if we get nothing else right this year, if we don't, you know, we have some great programs coming and, and some exciting things happening around here. But if we just get this right this next year, we'll see God do some incredible things. And so unity starts with me. And it starts with you. And it starts with a willingness to say that Jesus is most important. Not my ideas, not my plans, but what Jesus wants, that's what's most important. At this time, Laura is going to come and lead us in a prayer to be unified. Now, during a time like this where people pray, i got to admit, up until years ago, I viewed this as a chance to check out. And maybe that's how you view it too. Let me just encourage you to pray along with Laura. Pray some of the same things. If there's a phrase or a, a thought that she has that, that resonates with you, pray for that. If you struggle to be unified at your house right now, pray for that. Just because she's praying one thing doesn't mean you have to pray exactly what she says. We simply ask Laura to come up so that she would lead us in a prayer around this idea of being unified. And so I would just encourage you, fight the urge to check out. Fight the urge to daydream and check your phone. And simply ask God that you would do what he wants you to do. And if unity really starts with me and it starts with you, that each one of us would be willing to lay aside our own wants and desires, ultimately, so that God could do what he wants to do. So, Laura, would you lead us? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for the family of Westbridge. Thank you for leading me to this um, body of believers who is so passionate and excited to serve you, Lord. And I thank you for leading me to be able to be a part of this family. God, I thank you for um, each of us, and I thank you for saving each one of us, Lord, and that you sent your only son to sacrifice on the cross so that we may be saved. And I thank you that um, we can find unity in the cross, so we can find unity in our salvation, and we can find unity in you, Lord. And I pray that today that we can be refreshed by your salvation. We can be refreshed by who you are and who you say you are. Yeah, Lord, and just as you say in John, I thank you that the glory that you gave Jesus Christ, you have given to us as well. And because you've given us that glory, Lord, we can find unity in you and that we can be your hands and feet um, in our work. And Lord, I pray that, that each of us can become perfectly one, not just partially, not just a little bit, not just on Sundays and not just, you know, one or two days out of the week, Lord, but we can be perfectly one each and every day of the week. Yeah, Lord, some of us are doctors, some of us are teachers and parents and salesmen and nurses, and that each of us have something unique, and each of us brings something unique to the table, that we can celebrate those differences, we can celebrate who we are, and we can bring those to glorify you. Yeah, God, I thank you that each of us has a different story, that if we were all the same person, we had the same background, that it, we wouldn't be effective, Lord. And I pray that we can take our stories and who we are and how we've grown up and where we've come from, that we can be unified in you. Yeah, Jesus, I pray that you will let your church be unified so that the world may know you. I pray that we can grow your kingdom, Lord, that it's not us who saves people, it's not us who gives salvation, it's not us who makes the difference, Lord, but it's you working through us, and that will only happen if we are perfectly unified in you. 
And I pray protection over each of us that as we go throughout the week, that we will not forget who we are and who you say that we are. That where our peers don't listen to us, where our, our kids don't listen to us, and um, our coworkers won't do what we ask them, or, or as a teacher, if our students are being frustrating, or that frustrating coworker, Lord, I pray that you will just step in and let us be your light, that you will work through us, that people will see something different in us. Now, Lord, that we will only be effective hands and feet for you, that if we're unified, and that we can go through each day, and on the Monday when we, when we don't want to go to work and we don't want don't to have to go through those motions, that you will give us an unexplainable excitement and energy that people will look at us and see something different. That where they might not know what that thing is that's different, but God, they'll see it. Maybe some people will, and it'll lead them to ask questions. Yeah, God, and I thank you that, that you give us that excitement and you give us that energy and strength to serve you when it's hard. Yeah, Lord, and I pray that as we grow out the week, that we know that we are unified, that even though we might not have someone at Westbridge at, at our work, but we know that we have those people of Westbridge with us, that we're, each of us are going out throughout the day and we're serving you and we're growing your kingdom because that's what you've called us to do. And I pray that as we go throughout the week and out throughout the year that we will grow in our unity and we will grow your kingdom that as a family at Westbridge, we can be your light to Danville and that that light will grow into Avon and Indianapolis and Indiana and all throughout the United States, Lord, that our light will be so bright because we're so strong in unity in you that your people will know who you are. God, I pray that, that we can continue to make a difference and we can continue to be your hands and feet because we are unified. Remind us every day that we find unity in you. That the God of this earth, the God that created this earth and created this whole world, looked down and said that I need, I need you to be my hands and my feet. And I need you to bind with the family that I've given you. I need you to bind with, with your church family and be my hands and feet. And I need you to serve those who are hard to serve and love those that are hard to love. But you can do it if you grow in unity in me. That you can be the hands and the feet and be the light that I need you to be if you grow in unity in me. I God, I thank you for that truth and I pray that that will resonate in each of us. That as we go home today, that we'll not forget that. And as we start our work week, we'll not forget that. Grow us in unity this year. Let us be your light. Let us serve and love when it is hard to love. And ultimately, let us be unified in you. Amen. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. 
from beginning to the end it will always be it's always been you jesus jesus sing this with us jesus at the center of it all jesus at the center of it all from beginning to the end it will always be it's always been you jesus jesus and nothing else matters nothing in this world will do jesus you're the Everything revolves around you, Jesus, you, Jesus, be the center of my life, Jesus, be the center of my life, from beginning to it's always been you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. But Jesus, you're the center. Yes, 
Jesus prayed for you, and he prayed for me when the cross was in the foreground of what was happening in his week. Now, Luke and Paul give us some examples of what can happen when we're unified. In, Luke, in Acts chapter 2, Luke records that, that the whole church was together, and that they sold their possessions, and that everything was, was, everyone was together. Now, I don't think we all need to sell our possessions, but we can certainly be together, although God may call us to do that as well. But the early church spread like wildfire because they were unified. And they spread throughout a Roman empire that was bent on destroying Christianity. And it was certainly the spirit of God, but as I mentioned earlier, that, that unity is that conduit that allows God's spirit to move most freely. There's another one in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, we'll spend the rest of our time there in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul records... Some interesting words around what Jesus set out to do. It says in earlier, before you get to 12, it says that, that Jesus gave the prophets and the apostles and the teachers and the evangelists and the pastors that everyone that he gave as far as leading the church, they had one goal. And we pick up that goal in verse 12. It says that their goal is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. You have to know this today. Please listen to me, that God loves you 100% just as you are. But the other truth that's also 100% true is God does not want you to stay where you're at. So he loves you just the way that you are, but his goal for you is that you would become unified and that you would become mature. And Paul lays that out, that unity and maturity go hand in hand. If we're struggling to be unified, it might be that we're not that spiritually mature. You see, our knowledge of Jesus and who he is and how he lived his life and what he did for us should lead us to be more unified, not isolate ourselves. In the cave, the goal was to get the kids out, and every option was on the table. For you and me, our goal is to become more like Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse 13 that we would all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That we would grow up to who he wants us to be. That as we learn more about who Jesus is and how he lived, it would, it would spur us to be more like Jesus Christ. You see, the more unified we are, the more we'll be like Christ that we would grow in maturity, but the other added benefit of growing in maturity and growing in unity is protection. Animals know this. If you can isolate an animal off by itself, it's a lot easier to kill it. Satan knows that as well. If he can get you split apart in your family, if he can get us split apart as a church, it's really easy to go after individuals. But as a group, we stand a much better chance together. 
And, and Paul knows this. He, he even referenced this in verse 14. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. Now, my youngest daughter is small for her age, and we love to take her to the beach, but the, the waves will just annihilate her. They will send her right back up to the beach. It's hilarious to watch for a while. Um, then Shelly says, I have to get her out of the water and not do that anymore. But literally, you can haul her, and the wave comes, and she sends her right back up to the beach. That's how we get when we isolate ourselves. Right? We just, we're ripe for the picking for Satan to come along and pick one of us off. And when we're unified, it doesn't mean we hang out together and hold our hands and sing kumbaya. Right? We celebrate the fact that we're different. We celebrate that God gave each person in this room with unique gifts to reach people that I may never be able to reach. And so God did that for the express purpose of ultimately his glory, but also so that we would be one together, that we would be more like Christ and that ultimately we get the protection because it says, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. We are indeed better together. It's always harder to be together, though, right? Every group project you were ever a part of at school, every time they said that in college, I was like, I just want to shoot the professor, right? Because you know it's going to be a work. But this is not a group project. This is God's design for how to reach the world. And so if we would be willing to recognize that unity starts with me, and that if we can be unified, God can move most freely through us, then we stand to see God do some incredible, incredible things. At this time, J.D. and Crystal are going to come and pray for us to be unified, but also that we would grow. Not for the sake of, of knowing more things, but that we would be growing to love and look more like Jesus Christ. If we do that, we automatically become more unified and we automatically become more mature. So, J.D. and Crystal, would you lead us? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to praise you and thank you for life, for your creation, your son, and saving us, and for your church. I also want to pray for our church and myself to be equipped and prepared to serve in the body with the body of Christ, so ultimately you will be lifted up. Help us to serve his church, our friends, family, co-workers, wherever we may be, Lord. Help us to use our spiritual gifts that you gave us. Help us to have a hunger, Lord, for you and your word, and to become knowledgeable and mature in you, so we may be equipped to go through this life. Lord, as we are seeking you out and growing in you, protect us from the world influences that we face every day. You warn us in your word that Satan is out there tempting us and that we will face struggles. Help us to stand firm in your word and hold to your truths so that way we can stand out differently but in unity, pointing others to you, Lord. Thank you for this message today and the words in Ephesians, and may our hearts be open to it. Heavenly Father, we, pray, we praise you for your almighty power, for salvation through your Son for raising up the church to do your work. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for the selfishness that we have, for the pride that we have, Lord. That we put ourselves above, above others and above you. Just help to strip that away from us, Lord. We ask for that now. We come before you to ask that you equip us to do your work. Give us boldness to proclaim your name. Give us strength to serve one another so your church may be built up. 
We ask that this body of believers come together to be fully devoted followers of Christ. That we're becoming mature in Christ, striving after you. As we live in this world, let us not be of this world. Help us to run from sin and to run to you. Help us not to be swayed by pressures and temptations of this world, but to discipline ourselves, to not be led astray. Help us to, to look to one another, to, to build each other up in our small groups, in our Sunday morning time of worship, that we look to you, that we sing together as one, that we praise you together as one. We ask that everything we do together, we look towards you, Lord. We continue to look towards your word to help build us up, Lord. Just ask that everything we do is not our will, but your will. We ask all these things in your name.
reminds me that I'm not as mature as I think I am, but I have come to learn that if, if I'm going to set out to do something for God, you can almost guarantee that, that Satan's going to push against that. If you decide as a family you're going to be unified, or as a church we're going to be unified, or as a, as a work team we're going to work together more, you can pretty much guarantee somebody's going to have a problem in the next week and get a chance to exercise that unity. And if unity starts with me, we all have an opportunity to do something about it, right? So we have something to do about it. But it's almost as if Paul saw this coming as well, because take a look at verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 4. So instead of being tossed by the waves, he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So instead of falling for Satan's schemes, we can approach each other in love. And that's how we're going to have to do it because that's how unity works. You realize we're on the same team. Hopefully, if you're following Jesus, you want him to be the most important thing. So if you and I realize that life's not about you or me, and unity starts with me, if we're all seeking Christ, as Paul said in verse 15, that instead speaking the truth in love, we'll grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is Christ. So if we'll understand that life's not about us and that unity starts with me and that we'll speak the truth in love, we will indeed become more like Jesus. It's a byproduct of what happens. And there's really no telling what God might do amongst us in the next year. You see, every great move of God among men happened when people were unified. Think about it. The nation of Israel, when they were with Moses, Moses is a great, incredible leader. As they go through the desert, though, they can't stay unified. They all fight and hate each other. And what's God do? He allows a, an entire generation to die in the desert so that he can raise up Joshua and unify the entire nation to take him in to the promised land. In the early church, there were problems that came up. 
but they were all unified, and God spread them throughout, like I mentioned earlier, a Roman empire that was bent on destroying Christianity. They couldn't contain it. The Reformation, the Great Awakening, there's many other opportunities throughout history to look at when people were unified, God's Spirit moved most freely. And so at this time, I think if, if we are going to make this happen, it's going to have to be that we would love each other like Christ loved us. And Larry and Eva at this time come to lead us in prayer that we would indeed do just that. For you, it might be here at church, it might be at work, it might be at home. But Larry and Eva, would you lead us in a prayer to love one another like we're called to? Father in heaven, help us to grow in love for each other. May we love each other enough to speak truth and love. Give us compassion to help each other as we have needs. Help us to forbear with one another in love. Help us be patient, kind, and not insist on our own way. Therefore, speaking truth in love, let us equip one another and edify one another that all of us may grow up to be more like Christ. Let us pray in Jesus' name. Father, we come to you this morning knowing that you're our head, the head of this body of believers. And no matter how insignificant we may seem that we are, we still must minister to one another. So open our eyes that we can see and understand how best to do this. We know that our body of believers grows only as each member grows. And we can only grow if we're being fed on your word and ministering to others. Help us to understand that if we isolate ourselves, we cannot help one another, nor, they can, nor can they help us. Thank you for the spiritual unity that we have through Christ our Savior. May we always protect and maintain that. And Father, impress upon us that unity unites, lies divide. Love unites, selfishness divides. And as we edify one another, let us grow more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue now to communion. Our, um, some guys from our elder team are going to go ahead and pass out the, uh, the bread and the cup. And as they do that, uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about communion. We're going to look at communion through the lens of, of our unity because the, uh, the neat part is that we don't, we don't have to switch gears at all uh, between uh, talking about unity and, and, and talking about communion because Community or communion was meant to to unify the church. You guys can go ahead and, and pass out. I'm gonna talk as you as you do that. But that's what community is meant to do: is to unify us as as the church as we come together, as we remember Christ's sacrifice. And Paul addresses this in in First Corinthians chapter 11, as he talks about how the the church in Corinth was was doing the Lord's supper, and he actually reprimands them for the for the way that they were doing it. And your Bible might say, uh, your Bible might have the, the subheading that says correcting an abuse of the Lord's Supper. They were, uh, 
uh, doing it incorrectly. And what was happening was there were divisions that were arising in the church, and it was playing out when they came together uh, for the Lord's Supper. Back then, uh, in the old church, the Lord's Supper was, it was more of a meal than what uh, we might do today. And, and uh, well, I'll just read it, and you can kind of see what Paul is getting at. He says, in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. As the church was coming together, there were those divisions were... Uh, were being made within the church as people gathered for their own little private uh, suppers, disregarding the rest of the church, so that those who were poor and needy uh, were left still hungry while others ate too much or, or got drunk on, on what they were having. And I think there's a truth in here that is for us today that even though we come together for communion and we spend time in personal reflection and, and in personal prayer as, as the, the plates are being passed, uh, we need to also acknowledge those around us. We need to also have regard for the church, for the body of Christ, because this is what this is one of the things that unites us. It's Jesus. And as we as we receive communion, you know, the the, the bread and and the juice, it's it's not the actual body of Christ. It's not the actual blood of Christ. But the spiritual uh, symbolism and, and significance of this uh, is so important that this is this is one body. The the pieces of bread that we eat. That symbolizes this is, this is one bread. There's one body that was broken for us. There was one body that was broken to atone for our sins. We each have our own little individual cup, but it's, it's one cup. There's only one whose blood was able to cleanse us from our sin, and it was Jesus. And so as we come together to communion, it's together that we declare that we are sinners, that we need God. It's together that we... Uh, that we uh, come to the Lord to, to confess to, to his sacrifice, to, to acknowledge what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Together we acknowledge that Christ died for us. Together we acknowledge that Christ rose from the dead. And together we proclaim that Christ is going to one day come back, that he's going to come back for his church. And so as we receive communion together, uh, we're just going to go into a time of personal prayer now. But rather than uh, just thinking of ourselves in this time of personal prayer, I'd encourage you just to pray that God, that God might cleanse you so that we can be better unified as His church, that God might purify us for the sake of those around us. I was watching, uh, I was watching a show called Forged in Fire. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the show on the History Channel. I love that show. It's great. They make knives and swords. It's a blacksmith show. Uh, you should check it out if you're into that sort of thing. Um, but they were, they were doing something called forge welding where they take two different metals and they put them in the fire and they leave them in there until they get white hot. And then they just pound that thing with a hammer with the goal of those different metals fusing together. And you watch time after time that these forge welds fail. And it's because they didn't clean the metal and, and the, the metal was dirty. And because the metal was dirty and impure, it would not stick together. They would not forge well together to become one piece. I think sometimes that happens with us, where we just need to say, God, purify me so that, 
so that we can be purified as your church, so that we can be together as your church, as your body, to do your work, to do your will here on earth. And refine us in your fire so that we can be drawn together. And so right now, I just encourage you just to pray uh, silently on your own, and then I will, uh, I will pray as we come into communion. to you, a, a broken people, a needy people, God, we need you. We acknowledge today, Father, that we are sinners. We have failed you time and time and again. God, we've also come to say thank you as we think about what you've done on the cross for us, that despite all of our impurities, you brought down to earth what was pure take on our impurities in order that we might be pure. So God, this morning we can we confess our sin to you and we ask this morning, God, that you would remove our impurities. Not just for the sake of ourselves, God, so that we might be drawn together in unity in Jesus. Thank you for the reminder, the symbolism of the bread and, and the cup. That there's one Lord. There's one Savior. There's only one reason why we can actually be made clean. It's because of one God that we can have forgiveness. God, we pray that in a world that pushes us to elevate ourselves, we pray that we might elevate Christ and humble ourselves. God, we pray that in a world that pushes us to seek our own pleasure, God, that we might seek to meet the needs of the people around us and trust in you to provide all that we need. God, we pray that in a world where there are so many places where we're encouraged to seek wisdom and strength and, and help in times of trouble. God, may we only look to you. God, may we only come to you in those times of distress. And God, may we only come to you with, with our joy and with our praise in, in the times of plenty and abundance. God, we thank you that we're not called to do life alone, that you've surrounded us with 
others to, to live in community with. And God, we know we're not perfect. And here on this earth, we won't be perfect at it. But God, we pray that you would draw us closer to you. And that you would help us to do this in the way that you have designed us to. Help us to look beyond ourselves, to look to Christ, and to look to love others. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to do something a little different than we normally do uh, with our communion. We're going to we're going to read these verses. They're going to be on the screen. We're going to read these together. We're going to read the first section of verses, then we're going to eat the bread, and then we're going to read the second section, and then drink the cup. So starting in verse 23, let's read these out loud together. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This time we're going to take up our tithes and offerings. And today, uh, this is the week of the month that we give to our deacon fund. It goes to meet the needs of people in our church body. And um, you can give to that using the envelope uh, in the chair in front of you or by designating it on your check. It's just another way uh, that we can actively live uh, in unity with each other is by meeting the needs uh, of people who have need. And in that way, that's an act of worship as we give back to the Lord, as we love God and as we love his people. So we'll go ahead and do the offering at this time.
Uh, we just want to, to give you a chance to respond and, and to give you a chance to pray uh, with somebody next to you, whether it's just your family or, or, or your spouse. Uh, we would love for you just to, just to turn to somebody. It can be a stranger. It doesn't matter. And, uh, and just say a, a short prayer uh, around what we've been talking about today, that God would unify us even as we go, even as we disperse into our community, that we might be one in Jesus Christ with one heart, be of one voice, be of one mind, and that that would be the mind of Christ. If you have somewhere you need to be and, or you need to slip out the back, um, feel free to, to do so, but uh, do so quietly in respect for those who are praying. Um, but also, if you want to know what it means to, to live in, in unity with Christ, to have Christ dwell in you, uh, and to live in unity with the will of God, we can't do that unless we have a relationship with Jesus. So today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to know uh, how uh, you can enter into to walking with Christ and letting him uh, be the ruler of your life, be the Lord of your life. We have somebody down front who would love to pray with you, love to talk with you. Tyson will be down here as well as uh, some of our elders who would love to talk with you and pray with you. Or if you have a pressing prayer need and would like somebody from our church to pray with you, we'll have some people down front. Now feel free to begin to pray and then we'll be dismissed.